a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Positive, Encouraging K-Love. Wow. I'm sorry. I just have to like re-traumatize us every now and again. <laughs> Positive, <sighs> encouraging, ravel. <laughs> you said that like two minutes ago and I like could not resist. Permanently stuck in his ears. Welcome, you guys. That's very Welcome. good. It's quite the earworm, isn't it? Ooh, it is. Earworm. Yo. Uh, what you guys drinking this week? Oh, me, 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 me first. Yes. Uh, yes, Emily. Yes, my queen. I am drinking three beverages, oh, one Lord. of which, of course, is water. The second one that I'm drinking, because I feel spring very quickly approaching, I brought out, and this isn't really a spring beverage now that I think about it, but I have a really tall glass of pink lemonade. Oh, that's nice. No, I yes. I don't know why, but my brain expected you to say milk after you said the word pink, and I have no idea why. Pink milk. I thought you were going to say pink milk. No, no, no pink milk here. Never heard of that in my life. Uh, but... Strawberry milk is pink. Oh, that's a good point. Telling me you milked a strawberry for this? <laughs> yeah. Good one, Stephen. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and my third beverage is, because um, I'm going to be having a wonderful dinner with my wonderful assistant to uh, church ministries, uh, Pat, Pat Salular, who is a formerly our secretary, but we changed the title. Um, and so I'm going to be sharing some Chardonnay uh, with her. And so I have a nice glass of Chardonnay. To You're just, pre-gaming you know. the Chardonnay today? I'm pre-gaming, yeah. Spectacular. I love this. Yes. Thank you. All right. Pre-chard and pink milk. There you go. <laughs> I am also feeling spring upon us. So I am drinking a lovely, it's a, a, it's a light Highland Scotch whiskey. It's the Dalwhinnie 15. Ooh. Um, this is, and I'm looking at the glass, you guys. This is a healthy pour. This. <laughs> <laughs> no skin. I love that you're yeah. like, yes, I need something light. I'll do a whiskey. <laughs> I'll do it. But it's not like, I got to. it's not. He's not I, skimping out. Yeah, no, I got to take a photo of this. I'm going to text it to you because this, this is a lot of whiskey, you guys. But I'm very excited about it. Josh, what are you drinking? I'm also feeling very springy today. It's like a very nice, fresh spring. Uh, almost said spring summer day in Washington, but it's not summer yet. Um, I'm drinking a sparkling Americano. I've got tangerine LaCroix and Highline blend coffee, and it's delicious. It's my first sparkling Americano of the season, and it's Aww. exactly what I wanted. With the Highline blend. That's exciting. The best blend ever. You know what's really nice? I don't know if you've ever made one of these, but like I put in like LaCroix first and then coffee for my AeroPress. And then I fill up the rest of the cup with more Americano and it like makes this really, or more, more LaCroix, excuse me. And it makes this really nice head, like almost a Guinness style head. It kind of dies off kind of quickly, but it's real nice. Yeah, I saw that in the photo you shared with the Discord. Yeah, the photo that you decided to share before jumping on. How rude. Yeah. So sorry. Speaking of photos of drinks, do you see, do you guys see how much whiskey I poured myself? Um, yeah, Steven, do you need to like talk? I'm getting about crazy something? on this one. You are. My gosh. That's yeah, all I right. don't even know what's coming. Um, do we have any announcements before we just jump in? We do. We have a few. First off, the Highline survey is still rolling. I just sent two more oh, Ravel right. stickers out over this past week for friends who filled that out. Thanks so, for sticking with us. Nice. <laughs> with the pun. Yeah. So for less than three minutes of your time, the Highline Network will send you. A free sticker of your choice from our merch shop and a handwritten note from me, which is very nice. The second announcement we have is that we just crossed 15,000 downloads for this show. 15,000. I just feel like I'm at a little of a loss for words with that one. Yeah. That's like a milestone. It's like small potatoes in podcaster numbers, like people who do it really successfully, but like it does feel really incredible. 
I feel very accomplished. Yeah, that feels... Thanks for sticking with us, everyone. <laughs> it is very wild. Um, we also have an announcement for the patrons that our live hangout on the Discord is happening this coming Sunday on the 27th of March. So sign up. You can like reserve a spot in the Discord in the, that stage channel for the event. And we can hang out. We can talk about Mars Hill. We can talk about all the new developments that have yeah, been happening been around that's Christianity today. Mm-hmm. And There uh, has been some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do a demon trial of that office. Nice. Eww. Well done. Well played. Um, What time is that, Stephen? That's going to be... On Sunday? Oh, gosh. You're going to put me uh, on the spot for this one. This is going to be at 3.30 Mountain Standard. So 2.30 Pacific. Ugh. I'm trying to do math really fast. This is not great. Is that six o'clock Eastern, six thirty Eastern? And if you are one of our international patrons and you cannot make it, we will record it so you can listen. Whoa, to wait. it. wait. Did you say three thirty Mountain? Yeah, that'd be five thirty Eastern. Okay. Four thirty Central. Yes, there it is. Time is fake. We know this. Time right? is made up. <laughs> well, I mean, the house is getting ready to bring up that bill about getting rid of daylight savings time. So this you know. is true. You know they tried that in the 70s and they repealed it within a year? Time is a social I did not contract. know that. Yeah, well, we can talk about it later. This is not what this show is about. <laughs> no, uh, this is not. Well, thank you for the announcement, Stephen. Thank um, you. I believe we have a special guest today, sort of, because today is one of our patron-generated episodes. It's so special. This is I love true. it when we have our patrons submit topics it just because none of us know like we are all in this moment we have no idea what is going to be discussed very true fact so let's hear from our friend chad and we will be right back hi my name is chad eichhorn and i'm one of the patrons of ravel uh my question is about the expression god fearing or the fear of god as i've heard it used growing up The expression is strongly implying that it is healthy and right to be afraid of God, God's wrath, and to live in that fear. And I've heard plenty of rationalizing around awe as a more neutral version of fear, and that aligns better with God as love and hell as a separation from God as opposed to like a directly inflicted punishment. So. My question is, why do people enjoy or, or at least spread the idea that God is to be feared? Uh, and I'd also love to hear some exegesis around fearing God used in the Bible, because the phrase is mentioned a lot of times, uh, especially in Proverbs, I believe. So uh, thanks for having my question. Whoa, this is exciting. First off, I have to yes. say, Chad, thank you so much for the question. I have never heard your voice before, and that was it really special. Pleasant. That was a delight. Oh my gosh. What do we do with this one? I feel like someone needs to pull up in a Bible just to have all the Proverbs verses, right? Well, first of all, it's I can guarantee you it's used a lot in Proverbs as well as the Psalms. Because there are, off the top of my head, there are seven different types of psalms. And the ones most commonly used are like in lament, ones that speak of like triumph or like victory, like war type things. Um, And then also in praise, which oddly enough uses fear a lot. And fear, when we look at the word for fear, it actually translates to not just like awe, but more of like respect or reverence. But it's also used in the light of like to tremble. So you're trembling like in reverence to like you're in such awe, like you tremble. And I think we as modern readers just love using the word and applying it to the way that we commonly use it. So to be afraid, to be scared or frightened when we hear or say the word fear, that's what we automatically think. But that's not the original intent. So, okay, I've heard that explanation a lot. And I do think it is really fascinating the way Chad phrased this question. Like, why do people feel the need to spread that idea? Like, Mm, if it does really just mean respect and awe, why don't we just say it like that? Like, why do we have to, like, translate it as the word fear if it actually means respect? I think it's because, in my personal opinion, when we have a relationship with God... It feels weird to have a level of respect 
to a being or an entity or a deity that is greater than yourself. So like to respect a boss or a coworker, like there's some level of equality to some regard. You know, there is obviously a power dynamic between a boss and an employee, but there's a level of respect. But I think when we have yourself and God, it's so vastly different. Like the length between you feels different. And so fear evokes something to match that, in my opinion. Okay, I actually really like the boss example, come to think of it, because I think that like we all have a tendency as humans to like want to do the right thing, like especially in a work context. And like if Mm -hmm. you know you're doing the wrong thing or you're like not sure if you are, you're like at least a little bit afraid of your boss. Sure. Even if you like like them. Mm -hmm. I, I can see that. I think that's a helpful analogy for me. Afraid of your boss or more like you just don't want negative consequences? Right. Yeah. Like I can see someone trying to make the distinction of like a healthy fear. Like Mm -hmm. you should. I don't know. But like I also don't like that because I feel like that is a great example of Christians using common English language. Like a lot of people know what the word fear means, but like trying to use it in like a religious sense Mm. in a way that means something different. And I think that that's what trips a lot of people up. Like people hear the phrase fear of God, like Chad is talking about, and it like evokes different things than either A, what the original author's intent was, or B, what the Christian interpreting it is meaning it to mean. Sure. Because you have some scripture that says like, fear not for I am with you. And then you have others that say, right. you know, fear the Lord. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. You told me not to fear and now I'm fearful. Like what, what the heck's going on? Right. <laughs> I, and yeah. also perfect love casts out fear. Ah, yeah. Like, why does one fear mean respect and the other one does mean fear (laughs) or like terror? (laughs) Are they different words, Emily? Do you know if there's they are different words? Yes. Okay. So once again, revealing the uh, the insufficiencies in the modern English language. That's right. Oops. Yeah. I have to imagine like when it's angels. I love all the biblical angel memes, by the way, with all the (laughs) eyes and the wings and all that. I think they're very funny. But I have to imagine when an angel is like zapping into a spot with the shepherds or with Mary and they're saying fear not, it's like don't have terror on my account, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas then there's, I assume, a different word in Hebrew or Greek that means like when we fear God, we respect God in the way of like creator to created type relationship. Yes. What Very are those to- words, Emily? Oh, off the top of my head. Let's see. Well, so the Hebrew that's translated into awe is like year awe, which also means, again, like the respect, the reverence, the worship. In the Greek, I can pull that up. So the one, so the one we typically think of would be like phobos, like phobia, you know? Oh, yeah. But the other one. Oh, okay. So we have. So when we look at like to tremble, we have tremo um, or like quaking would be tromos. Um, but a fear of God. Well, that's looking at like the actual like phobia, which would be theosbeia. Hmm. Oh, there's like there's like a, a surprise, like an aha type fear, which is interesting, which is just yeah, like aha. Yeah. I like how similar that is. That's fun. Aha. Ah, to okay, so to have respect, to have reverential awe, to revere, to be in awe by one's own twisted definition of what deserves reverence. Oh, interesting. So there's a lot. There's a lot of Greek words actually for fear. And again, it really just depends on how the author is using it. Hmm. So like in one in one passage, I I'm sure we could find one, but in one passage alone, you could use fear five different like five different ways have you ever heard somebody say fear is not a gift of the spirit yes i don't i'm trying to think of like a specific like or no because it comes from uh like god did not give us a spirit of fear kind of thing Mm -hmm. i just learned emily for the very first time as you were looking up the different words for fear that in the catholic tradition there's another list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that derives from Isaiah, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard of this? 
Oh, I have, but I don't remember them. One of which is fear. Yes. Oh, now that makes me think of what are the others? The, so the others are, the, so this derives originally from uh, the book of Isaiah and then like has just like become its own tradition from like different church fathers. So it lists wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear or awe of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Which is very different from the charismatic gifts. And I've never heard anyone talk about these before as like a set of spiritual gifts. Oofta. But this is also talking about how like they totally mean that to mean the like awe or wonder or respect of God version. Mm-hmm. Not just like cowering in fear. Yeah. But that still does bring me back to, I think Chad brings up a good point about like a lot of people, even if they do mean fear means respect and awe, they do often tie the fear of God back to wrath and like angry version of God. And even if God isn't going to hurt you, God could. So you need to respect that. <laughs> and like, I, I still feel like that's like a really like messed up view, like for people. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if that's better. <laughs> I think it's easy to point to that also because we have scripture of a, you know, wrathful vengeful god and so you know you hear often i'm not a i'm not an old testament christian i'm a new testament christian which a that's just whatever um (laughs) but um i do think it is easy to say here's what it means to fear god and here's scripture to back it up you know i don't know how that brings any comfort but yeah yeah there's a part of me that feels like it's maybe an outdated concept in terms of like, I don't like there's not really much in the modern day that we like have a healthy fear for other than maybe bosses, maybe, but like the president of the United States, like no matter who it is, like, mm. I don't know. I don't really fear the president in a good way or a bad way. The sure. president is just the president or like, like what other big powers are like so have such a big effect on your life that you like your respect for them is like nearly fearful mm. cars. I don't know. I can think of the way I'm terrified of whales, but the ocean. Yeah. Like one of my biggest, like, I guess this doesn't really track because this is like, I know it's irrational cause I don't live near the ocean anywhere near an ocean, but I don't like the idea of being out, in the ocean and a whale swimming under me. I think it's the, like the size comparison that really freaks me out. Ooh. Yeah. Just like knowing how much like power is like in those muscles or whatever. But I guess also is that this is kind of like what people describe when they're into astronomy or something like that. Right. Just that sense of scale of like feeling my smallness compared to all this bigness, which I think is great. I really understand why that feels so spiritual to people because I think that's really wondrous. Yeah. And maybe that's the best version of like what we want the fear of the Lord to be, right? Wondrous. That's a good word for it. But yeah, I can definitely relate, Josh, to that feeling of like, well, God could send you to the lake of fire. So shape up. And honestly, I've been thinking about this recent. So Dixie and I just started doing training classes with our dog. Oh. And it was amazing within like the first hour, right, of the first class. It really like clicked a lot of things in my mind, especially with the conversations we've had, Josh, about like positive reinforcement. Mm. And like, of course, this is how we you should be thinking about training dogs. Like if they ever do something you don't want them to do, it's negative reinforcement first. And as soon as they display the behavior you want, it's you swoop in with the positive reinforcement. It's never like, you know, they pee on the carpet. You don't rub their face in their pee for 60 seconds. Right. And just be like, bad right. dog, this is bad. Cause if anything, that just is going to say that, Oh, they don't like it when they find this. So I'm just going to get better at hiding it. And you're not mm-hmm. really addressing the behavior that you want to encourage. And that just seems so right to me. That just seems so like God would know that that's how humans are too and not just dogs. And maybe it was just us who needed hell to be like, eh. like there's the punishment waiting for you. 
be afraid of it. Yeah, but if like God has already decided whether or not you're going to suffer eternally or not suffer eternally, like why would you want to? Why would you have any need to fear God? There's nothing you can do that would change that. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Like, there's almost no reason to respect God then. Like the predestination version. Yeah. I mean, at least in my view. Yeah. Like maybe they make sense of it differently. Yeah. Why would you respect the uh, the kid with the magnifying glass melting ants or whatever, right? Hmm. I could see someone trying to make an argument. Like if you believe in a causal God where your free will affects your salvation and eternity, I can see someone making an argument for fearing God being a very beneficial thing for you. Like if you can somehow affect God's decision on the rest of your life, hmm. you should probably show that you like him a little bit. Okay. Is like the same as respect? No. Probably not. Because I can respect, I can. I do think they're intertwined. I think they can be, yeah. Like I like my girlfriend and I respect her and I love her, but I don't think I fear her. But in a sense you do. Okay. Like, I, there are many people that I don't like, but I respect them because it's the decent thing to do. Okay, sure. But I think fear and respect, like, you know, I respect and like my husband, luckily. But I think there is a sense of fear, not of, like, trembling or, like, being, a, like, a scared, like, afraid. But I think there is a type of, like, awe that I have, like, for my husband or, like, for my, my family, you know? Yeah, but I liked what you said earlier about a healthy fear recognizing a power dynamic. Trust me, there's no power dynamic between my husband and I. There's no, there's nothing right, to fear. Right. Well, I think that that's why I don't think that I do fear people that I'm in relationship with, like romantic or otherwise. Like, I don't fear you guys. So you don't fear God? Uh, I don't know. See? Like, <laughs> oh, see? Oh, well, like, it really depends on the definition. Like, if, like, I think that in terms of the biblical use of the fear of God, trying to like cut out people's like interpretation and theology about it. Like, I think the biggest example I can think of is God approaching Job and being like, who are you? Like, look what I've done. Like, you have no idea. Mm. Get back in your place. Yeah. Like, I think that if it's like a, like a belittling of our ego and realizing that like, we know virtually nothing about God or otherwise. Hmm. Like, I think that I think that that kind of humility is healthy. Oh, yeah. And so I, oh, yeah. I think that if that's what fear of God means, then I can be like, OK, I can see. Yeah, I get that. I think that makes sense. And like, that's positive and humanizing. But like, I think that as soon as fear of God is trying to put anyone under. So like, I feel like that is I feel like that is recognizing a power dynamic in like a not abusive, harmful way. OK. But I think as soon as it's trying to put someone underneath. God's thumb or another person's thumb physically or psychologically, I think it's just absolutely misused. Sure. Do you think you fear God? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But I think it's not, I don't know. I think, again, we like when we use fear, we take it to like su such extremes. I don't think I have like an extreme a phobia or anything, you know, like I don't think it's crippling to where I feel limited in what I can do in my day-to-day -day capacity. But yeah, I think I've, I think I've, a, I think I, I think I fear God. I think so. I don't know. And it kind of reminds me that I am human too. Like I'm not this indestructible, mm. untouchable being. Like I, I can, I can fail. Like I can die in a moment. I can be inflicted upon. And not that God causes that by any means, but yeah, I think it's just kind of like a nice little reminder of, yeah, I am human. <laughs> and uh, that's, there's a comfort with that for me, at least personally. Like I can be in relationship with this God that is indestructible and wonderful and glorious. Um, Indescribable, uncontainable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was really trying not to. Sorry, couldn't help myself. As, as soon as I said the word indestructible, I said, oh, crap. What have I started? Couldn't help myself. That so was Chris Tomlin's new single, Indescribable. Thanks for tuning in. Keep listening. <laughs>
okay, love. Oh, no. Okay. 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 I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go puke now. I'll be back. <laughs> what? You're the one who said you listened to K Love, though. Again? Oh yeah, that's right. But do you remember I, why I said I listened to? Yeah, because you liked it, dissecting for all the songs. Research. The, that's right. So for, suck my big toe, Stephen. For research. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm so sorry. I I pulled you off your point so hard just now. <laughs> no, I I finished my point. Oh, <laughs> so you're okay. Good. It was over. <laughs> Well, good. All right. Can, okay. Here's a, here's a, this is very thought experimenting and abstract, but can you truly be fearful of something if you don't believe? Do, okay. Maybe here's a better. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm just tripping over myself. Is it necessary to believe that something can cause something to happen in your life for you to fear that thing? No. Like I can be afraid of moths all I want. But I'm really afraid of them flapping up against me, honestly. Like, that's what I'm terrified of. I hate how dusty like, they if, are. It's gross. Oh, they're so awful. They're disgusting. <laughs> Butterflies are amazing, surprisingly. I don't know why. But like, if I didn't believe that they could like affect me, I would have no reason to fear them. Exactly. So like, w- with the concept of God, like, do you necessarily have to believe that God can affect you and your life, positively and negatively? Huh. For you to fear God. Like, for instance, I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians like to criticize Newton's idea of the clockmaker God or what a lot of people call deism. Like God just sits back, doesn't involve God's self in creation, Mm -hmm. which is pretty close to Calvinism in some ways, like in terms of like predestination. Right. So like if you don't believe that God can affect and like have physical impact or, or psychological or spiritual, like in your everyday life, is there a reason to fear God? Because hmm. I don't think there is. Yeah, yeah. Man, because if, if God is, if it's the deistic God who made everything and sits back and has no relationship with anything you made, or if it's the God who made everything and is like the only relationship with everything you made because everything is predestined and going exactly according to his plan or his purpose or his will. But either way, both gods are equally culpable for evil then, right? For either just letting it happen in the deistic way or causing it to happen in the predestined Mm. way. Yeah. So then if that's the case, I think a lot of where this language gets sticky and this concept of fear of God gets sticky is that we project the worst of ourselves onto God and think God is like that. Ooh, say more. I like that. Like, I think it's good and appropriate to be afraid of like a dictator committing genocide. And I think it's really easy to project like, well, we see how bad humanity can be. And then we fear that clearly. And then some kind of language in, in the Bible might line up to, well, no, clearly God is okay with like the Israelites committing genocide against the Canaanites, even though some of us think that didn't ever happen and God never gave us permission to do that. It's like, we just see the worst of what humanity can give. And it's like, oh, well, if that's the case, and if God has a hell waiting for us who don't like follow him, then it's like, we're projecting the worst fears of what our fellow man can do to us onto God. And then we just assume that God is the one doing it to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. I've never really thought about us projecting our personal selves onto the character of God. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. I have thought a lot about um, the ways in which we project other people's character onto the character of God. Like, for instance, the easy example is like, I'm afraid God is going to be like my father who abused me, or mm-hmm. like, which is why mm-hmm. the father language is triggering, triggering for people. Yeah, triggering. Yeah, no, absolutely. Tr- thank you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that whiskey's kicking the whiskey in. Getting... <laughs> Do you fear that whiskey, Stephen? Oh my gosh! Respect it. Respect I... every last. Be in drop. awe. Well, Be in awe. Okay, you jest, but I <laughs> like. There is a history of alcoholism in my family and like forms of addiction. So, like my relationship to alcohol has always been from the beginning. Like when my dad let me try my first sip of beer, 
was like it was all always about respect for what this substance substance can do to you right so i don't know maybe it- oh actually th- i think that's a good point because i think that what i don't like about the fear of god language is that it inherently presumes that god can or will harm you given some circumstances like i think that a lot of people that or do anything to you yeah yeah like i think that like uh substances are a great example i think people like talk to kids a lot about like pets and cars and stuff like no you like it can hurt you like you have to be careful around it like (laughs) the car is good but nobody said it's safe like (laughs) you have to like have like a healthy fear about it Mm. and i think that using that that same language that we used to describe like everyday physically harmful things or potentially harmful things to describe the all-powerful all-loving being i think that it just like it like falls to pieces or it gives someone the underlying assumption that God can and will harm you if something happens. Mm-hmm. But do you think that's wrong? I don't think you should believe in God that does that. I don't think like if, okay, this is like, maybe this is like too big for this conversation about fear. But like, in my opinion, if you can imagine something greater than God, then that thing that you imagined before is not God. If you can imagine a more loving version of God, than someone else's version, then like that version was not the all loving version of God. Okay. Okay. I, you see yeah. what I'm saying? Okay. Oh. Have you never heard that argument, Stephen? I assumed that you would have like running across like universalist kind of I takes. I think so. Because I've heard that argument for universalism. Like if you can imagine mm-hmm. God loving everyone so much that they go to heaven, surely that's a more loving version of God than one that sends half of the people to hell. Hmm. Right. And I think the same thing applies to like fear of God in everyday life. Like if you can imagine a God that doesn't want to harm anyone, mm. surely that's a more loving version of a God than the one that might harm you if you do something. We don't know. I don't know. Right. Maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit too much, but that's kind of like where my mind's at with fear of God. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Ravel is a founding podcast of the Heinlein Media Network. Here's a word from one of our sister shows, Keller's Couch. Chad actually has a great story about Louis. <laughs> Tell it. Uh, all right. So I, I, was, I was lucky enough to, to open for, for Louis when he was here in town. We had been told to keep the show pretty clean. Yeah. He's, a, he's a clean comic. He likes to be a family comic. Yeah. The other comics that were ahead of me started doing some dirty material. And it was working. So I'm like, well, maybe maybe I can you know sneak in kind of a dirty one. So I finished my I had a good set, man. And I walked back there. And I passed the green room, and he goes, Chad, why are you so dirty? <laughs> you use these words. And I was like, oh, I was mortified. Like, I wanted to walk away. Like, I felt like I just, I just sat there, and I took my lumps. So I don't know about you, but I'm tired of all the coffee that's out there, and I want to try something new. You guys should try Revel Coffee, Montana local international award-winning roaster. Fun fact, we have partnered with this roaster to sell a specific blend of coffee throughout the whole Heinlein network. 
and it is pretty tasty, not gonna lie. Absolutely, you already drink coffee most likely if you're American. You might as well drink some of the best coffee in the world and support one of your favorite podcasts on the internet. So if you are interested in this, you can go ahead and order from highline.network forward slash shop and we'll send you a bag. Hope you enjoy. I can hear the old arguments that I would have made about like, yes, you know, you always hear this like, yes, all loving, but what about justice, right? Mm. Totally. And in that sense, well, that's where fear of God certainly seems to line up like that fear of like, well, you're going to get what's coming to you in a form of justice. And, you know, like a criminal who steals an iPad from Best Buy, right? Could like for a time have a fear of like being found out by someone looking at the security cameras and calling the police and uh, you know, like all there's that like anxiety that comes with committing the, the crime. And like, we don't get that in Christianity because we're told like literally everything will be laid bare on judgment day. You can't get away with anything. Hmm. (laughs) I think that's where most of like, the language of like fear God came from for me was that idea of like, I'm going to be judged for everything I do for all the porn I watched that I never confessed to someone and kept secret for years. You know, like I'm going to have to tell God about all of that and how like I sinned against another human being by like looking at them with lust or whatever. Mm. And like that fear of like shame and embarrassment and like all those things start getting twisted up in there when it's like, it's the end of times. It is judgment day. Everything is exposed. You have to account for everything. And then you are subject to basically a sentencing trial. And hell could be at the end of that. You know, like that's such a big, like that is deep in my bones. And even now, like I, I was literally journaling this morning about some of those feelings I've been having lately. Mm. And like, I can say out loud all I want, right? That I'm like universalist. And I believe everyone's going to hell. And then I hear someone be like, yeah, but justice. And then I'm just like right back to that spot in my body of like, oh, yeah, judgment day. Oh, yeah. And then I'm f- afraid again. Right. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you heard yourself say it, but did you hear your Freudian slip when you said everyone's going to hell? No, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> That's really funny. You said, wow. like, I believe in universalism and everyone's going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I think you were just going so fast that it slipped in there. But it, I thought it was very funny. <laughs> wow. Well, that says a lot. The where true my... universalist believes they're all going to hell. That's a, that says a lot about where my mindset is at right now. <laughs> um, yes, it does. No, that's really interesting. I think that that brings up a really good point. Yeah. Do you think when people are talking about fear of God, they're more talking about that like eternal stakes? kind of version or the like everyday like consequences of your actions version no i think it's eternal stakes all the time Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. well it's just a really thing it's a really easy thing to like lord over someone right or just like hold it above them oh yeah like definitely you're you, you know you're going to the bad place forever by the way if you don't especially because the eternal stakes could happen at any time it's the unknown yeah. So how much do you think the fear of God gets twisted up with the fear of death? Oh, well, mm. I mean, if we're coming from your angle of like fear of God more often than not means like fear of eternal stakes, mm-hmm. I think probably a lot. But what I thought you were going to say was the fear of uncertainty. That's what I was thinking. Like, I think that the fear of God is like really tied to the fear of uncertainty. I, I agree with Josh. Okay. What about death, though? Like, is death a, just the God that we can imagine being smaller than the all-loving all God and therefore we don't have to... I mean, is is that just yes. all Amen. resurrection is? Like, now I can imagine a God that's bigger than death? Definitely. Okay. Well, I guess it's yeah. that simple. Move, <laughs> Move along. Next. Moving on. Next. Next. No, that's topic. a good point because, like, I do think it's a very natural thing for humans to be afraid of death. Yes. And, um, yeah, maybe the fear of God language is just kind of like imposing itself on that i also greatly respect the people who are very into like that stoic idea of like memento mori right remember you will die but that feels Uh more like of the respect angle of like just constantly be aware that this could end at any time Mm -hmm. you know well and i think i've had the it's a strange 
joy, pleasure um, of being with people, you know, as they're preparing to die. And oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes they're not actually afraid of dying. Like when they are when they are actually like on their deathbed, when they are actively dying, they're not actually afraid of dying, which is very fascinating to me. We could totally do an episode about that. But they do ask on their deathbed. Oftentimes I'll get asked, you know, am I going to heaven? And it's that fear of unknowing about what is at stake for them when they are no longer on this plane. You so know? that's the uncertainty part that you guys were saying. Yeah. At least for me. Huh. What do you say to people in that moment when they ask? Well, first I ask, how do they see God? Because that, that'll answer their question for them without them even realizing it. In the sense of like, are you in awe of God or are you in terror of God? No. Well, yeah. I ask like, you know, they ask, am I going to heaven? I ask, well, how do you see God in your life? And if they describe God as being loving and merciful, then, you know, they know that they, they themselves know in their heart, like, okay, yeah. If God loves me, like I'm going to heaven, you know, like it's not my place for me to tell people what they believe. And especially in their moments of death knocking, you know, at their door, it's especially not my place to tell them, yep, you're going to heaven or yep, you're going to hell. Like that's not for me to do. My job in those moments is to provide care and to provide support. And they don't actually want me to give the answer. You know, they ask that. But they're not really wanting me to answer because mm. oftentimes they just want to have conversation. They just want to have an understanding of, OK, yeah, no, this this is real. Whether heaven or hell is real is one thing and whether or not they're going to either place is another. But they just want to know, is God real? Like, am I going to heaven? They're really asking, mm. is there a God? Am I going to be welcomed or embraced by this thing that I've been worshiping my entire life? Mm. Wow. It's yeah, it's intense. It is. It totally changes how you like for me when I see like family members in the room and I'm like talking to the loved one and they're like, I'm not scared of death. And, you know, they're quoting scripture or they're just telling stories. And like I look at the room and I see the family members are terrified, like they are afraid for yeah. their loved one. But the loved one has no fear like they have complete sense of peace and comfort and calmness and so i think fear can take a life of its own but it's not in the person that you would expect it to be like you would think the person that's dying would be the one afraid not always oftentimes it's those who are experiencing from the outside watching this person die because it puts their own existence into examination mm. Yeah, that feels like a a huge move in what it means to be human to steadily grow older and older and have death increasingly start to visit your family and your friends as you grow older, right? And it's like mm -hmm. you slowly kind of get to grow up into a relationship with death in a way that like by the time it's your turn, you almost feel safe with it. Mm. I think it can happen to any like only I think I can count on one hand. Thankfully, it's only one hand so far. The mm. number of kids, though, that I visited huh. who were on their deathbed. And they also, though, have a sense of like comfort and peace. And it's not because they don't know. It's not like mom and dad were like, oh, you're just going to go to sleep for a very long time. You know, they like oh. the kid, the kid knows like the child is aware. And I think we can I think we can take fear and not like, I don't want to spin it in a positive, you know what I mean? But I think there can be a positive side to fear if you are the person who's like actively experiencing it, if that makes sense. So like the loved ones who are afraid, they're afraid for different reasons. The person who's actually going through that moment, they're afraid for a very different reason. You know, it's they know they're dying or they know like their existence is coming to an end. That's not what they're afraid of. They want to know what's going to happen after. Mm. It's those who are left behind or they're afraid of, well, what's like, what, what next? You know, like what's next for us? Like, how are we going to cope? How are we going to handle this? Mm. And oddly enough, I think it has to do again with like that power dynamic of people in their last moments are like, hey, I'm going to be on equal, equal playing field with God. Like I'm, I'm no longer going to be human. I'm going to be welcomed and loved into this, whatever the after is. And there's almost like this shift in power dynamic when you 
are no longer on this plane. Maybe people feel closer. Maybe people feel more comfort in that. Mm. This might be a little bit of a direction change, but I'm kind of curious about the way that people use the phrase God-fearing. We haven't even really talked about that. No, Mm. we haven't. Um, Because I just got into... Um, to be honest, I'm not going to respond, but I got into a little bit of a, a tizzy on Twitter. Um, like somebody responded to one of my things and was basically like, he was like making the argument of like, well, that person isn't really God fearing if they're like doing this thing that I see as morally wrong. And I feel like a lot of people like tie the phrase God fearing to like you're doing the right thing. And it like has a very like streamlined morality situation, I think, some of the time. Mm. And, which is funny to me because like when we're like, like we've been talking about like fear of God now for like what 40 minutes and like n- none of that time have we talked about like, do you believe the right thing or do you uh, like, is your life in right order or are you like living the right way? Quote unquote, like n- we've talked about like none of that, <laughs> but like yeah. just by changing it to the phrase God fearing, I think it totally f- frames it again as like you're doing the wrong thing or you like you could be doing the wrong thing and you should be afraid of God if you do. Yeah, like you're not devout enough. Why do you think that the fear of God and God fearing gets tied by some Christians to do you believe the right thing or are you doing the right thing morally? And then it's just like assumed that like if you don't think they do, therefore they're not God fearing. Hmm. I mean, part of me wonders if someone's like said that about me before. I mean, not that I like really care. Oh, <laughs> sure. But like, like what, like have I done things that people have looked at and been like, well, he's not God fearing or like he's not. Oh, um, yes. Me. Definitely. I've definitely had that said about me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You got a tattoo. Ooh. I've, I have multiple tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. That, right. He's a, it's, have you ever gotten someone say that about uh, you being a. A woman pastor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Classic. Well, it's a, it's an illegitimate profession. Like, they don't, those people. Right. They just, they don't, yeah, they're like, oh, you're not really a pastor. Like, you must be the youth pastor. Like, that's what, that's what you really mean. Like, you're the associate. Mm-hmm. You're not really, it's like, no, no. <laughs> uh, and again, I think it's the power that we give scripture to back up any point that we want to make totally honestly yeah that's a good point i think that the like if you're tying it to like right behavior or right belief Mm -hmm. what people often really should say is like fear of the bible yeah you're afraid that you're getting the interpretation wrong i remember being afraid of that actually i remember being afraid of like interpreting wrong and like living my life wrong because of it or telling someone else Mm. the wrong thing to do like as a teacher like sure because teachers will get judged harder which is not true, evidently. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's a good point about interpretation in the Bible. For sure. In your ordination, were you asked anything about like fear of God or God-fearing or like anything along those lines? I'm trying to think of like some of the, my, like the specific papers because we did have very like specific questions. Mm. I don't think we actually, I don't think any of the questions had to do with like fear of God or God fearing, which might be a good thing. (laughs) I think that that would be a question, though. Now that I think about it, that would be one of those questions that would definitely weed out pastors that are like life giving and pastors that maybe should not be Methodist. (laughs) Oh, like that. Because we don't like we don't use that language a lot. Like we we see the all loving God. We see the, you know, the 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 unconditional agape where it's it's the more not fire brimstone terrifying God. That's not to say that we don't read scripture and we like we acknowledge like, whoa, yeah, there's language in here that we need to like be aware of. But how we see God is being all loving and gracious and merciful and fear does not the use of fear i guess to be afraid does not equate that we use fear in the sense of like awe and reverence and respect and so if we were to ask the question like what what does it mean for you to be god-fearing or you know what does it mean to have a a fear of god or whatever 
that question alone, I think, would weed out people who have a Methodist upbringing in theology and those who do not. And just because you're not Methodist, that doesn't mean you're bad. Like, I don't want you to hear that and be like, oh, my God, like, Emily just loves Methodists. I do. I love Methodists because I'm a Methodist, but I love everyone. Like, I don't care what you believe, but I do think, like, if you are called to be a pastor and you're called to follow the Methodist doctrine and theology, that question's going to weed you out very early on in the ordination process, for sure. Mm. Anytime I hear someone, like, trying to instill a fear of God that, like, seems very obviously wrath-focused, I, like, just want to point to the parts of the Bible that say, like, cast out all fear. The Spirit did not give you a spirit of fear. Boom. I do think it's a, it is really interesting. I think that's why I really like this question. Like, the paradoxical way that the Bible seems to use the word fear in yeah. very different ways. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, if we actually read it in the Greek or the Hebrew, like, I think we would have a much deeper appreciation for the Bible if we were to read it in its original languages. That's just me. That's a good plug for going to seminary, I guess. I don't know. Like, Or is, just studying biblical Greek or Hebrew. <laughs> how accessible is that to me? I mean, like, I, Stephen, I could interest send, level notwithstanding. I could send you the book. You could send me like, the book. Like, literally. Okay. Yes. Like, if you, if you have Hooked on Phonics, if you have Duolingo, you can have, you can a- easily access hooked on books phonics. and texts, like, <laughs> to learn. <laughs> New business idea, making a Bible app called Hooked on Bible. <laughs> there you go. Nice. There you go. Got it. No, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I guess like I idealize knowing the Greek and knowing the Hebrew so that I can You can easily learn it. Engage. Yeah, but I also feel more of a weight to like like I've been considering learning Spanish because a lot more people are speaking Spanish where I live. Why didn't you, know? you do it in school, Stephen? And like oh, because I was taking every music class I could possibly <laughs> take. Are you kidding me? What? Yeah, so I get that. I also think I honestly kind of like that the pool of available Bible translations out there is growing. Yes. I'm definitely not KGV only, right? But like I grew up in the NIV and I like knowing that the NASB exists, right? Or the NET or I honestly like the message sometimes dipping into the message um, because I think Eugene Peterson gave us a gift with that way of like paraphrasing into the message. Um, well, so Josh. speaking of Bible guys, I have just like a list cause Chad asked for a bunch cause he, he mentioned Proverbs, right? And then Emily mentioned Psalms. I just have, I have so many verses in front of me right here where it mentions the fear of God. Yeah. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's Proverbs one, seven Psalms 34, 11. Come my children, mm-hmm. listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Proverbs fifteen sixteen. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Proverbs 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. It definitely... all Old Testament? Yeah, those are all Old Testament that I pulled up. I just, Mm. I I had searched fear of the Lord in my Bible app. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you made me think of is, I don't know where Paul says it, but where he's saying, like, even the demons believe in shudder. Oh, and th- that's yeah. the that's the shuddering kind of terror fear, right? Yep, the trembling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if demons have that fear, shouldn't we, though? That's like a devil's yeah. advocate question. But... Yeah, yeah, but but I feel like the but point... for different reasons. Yeah, I feel like the point he's getting at is, like, that's not enough. Mm. Like, you can't yeah. just, like be afraid God is going to destroy you. Sure. I like that. I was thinking reading that list of verses, I was thinking about how we talk about like the wisdom tradition of Judaism and how I think I've heard Rob Bell kind of speak to how Proverbs is kind of like pre-wisdom and Ecclesiastes is like post-wisdom. Yes. Right? You've heard that? Oh, I've never heard that. No, I'm not. I've heard that. Yeah. What does he mean by that? Pre-wisdom of the Proverbs is like, if A, then B. It's a lot of like sayings that come down to say like, well, if you just fear the Lord, things will go well for you. Better the fear of the Lord than like, better better be poor with the fear of the Lord than 
rich otherwise or something like that. It's very like very like logical maximish. Yeah, yes. or like the vending machine idea you talked about last episode, I think. Yes. Mm. Just like the one in oh, one yes, out. Okay. If you do this, then this is what will happen. Whereas Ecclesiastes is like, is that really the way anything works? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's moving into more of like the the questioning. It's yeah. not so lateral. Right. But I do like the way that Proverbs is talking about how like the fear of the Lord essentially is wise or like leads to wisdom in the way that it kind of like it leads you on the path of like questioning, as you said it, Emily, or like raveling, as we would say, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it does more respect to God that I be honest with what I used to believe and what I don't believe now and what I doubt right now, I, I think I feel like that pays more respect to God in, in a sense of like, I am actively trying to figure out how to best be in relationship with God. I'm never coming to a place where I'm like, okay, perfect. I have ever, my, my entire worldview, because Christians like to talk about worldview a lot. My entire worldview is buttoned up. I have every value like in its proper order. And I'm never going to change for the rest of my life. Like, I, I'm not sure that does respect to God in the way some people think it does. Mm -hmm. I've always been puzzled about that anyway. Like the idea of respecting or disrespecting God. Like maybe, maybe that's why process theology seems to make so much sense to you because of like that relational aspect. But like for me, does me quote unquote disrespecting God do anything to God? Uh, like, or, or on the other side, does me fearing God do anything to God? Sure. And I don't see any, I don't see any mechanism of that. What if we change the question of, does it do anything to God to, does it do anything for God? Huh. I mean, some people would say yes, but like, I don't see evidence of that or experience anything like that. It also makes me wonder or just question the, the concept of like, I do this for God is like, does God need me then? Does God need me to do that? Because like I, I've heard people talk about like, God never needed to do any of this. God never needed to make any of this. I think even Richard Rohr says that in Divine Dance of like, yeah, God was extremely yep. content in the dance among the Trinity to just be that. But there was so much overpouring love that mm. it felt natural to procreate and make something in which to pour it out onto. Right. Mm -hmm. And into. Mm -hmm. But you can also do something like for someone in their memory without them even knowing. Like it's like more about you than it is for them. Oh, for sure. In which case the phrase like I'm doing this for God. I just I'm more inclined to think that God is like, I didn't ask you to do that. Like, what do you <laughs> you know? Right. So really it's for themselves. But there's yeah. a comfort in saying it's for God. Right. Though. What you did just ask, Josh, felt very in line with something I just read in, because I'm reading uh, Augustine's Confessions. Ah, ha, ha. And he does have a great passage in there where he's like, what are we even talking about when we talk about sinning against you? Like, as if we could do anything mm. to you, God. Mm -hmm. Like, the sins that I'm aware of are the ones he's confessing of sleeping with a mistress, right? And like visiting brothels and... And all this. And he's like, right. from what I can tell, all the sins that I feel the most burden for are the ones committed against my fellow human beings. He's like, I, I have no mm -hmm. evidence that I'm mm. even doing anything to you, which is very interesting. I really liked that. Who did you say that was? That's Augustine. Huh. Ah, that is interesting. Yeah. I guess this is a good time for me to plug the book I'm reading, too. Um, I just picked up a copy nice. of my Twitter friends, Crispin Mayfield's attached to God. And he's talking about attachment theory that's usually used in family and systems therapy, mm -hmm. uh, applying it to how do we relate to God. And I, I think it's very relevant to this like fear of God conversation because like I'm only a couple of chapters into it, but um, huh. <laughs> it's good so far. Like off the, off the top of my head, he's like kind of developing the idea of like, what's the difference between it? Like an at, anxious attachment versus a shame-filled attachment hmm. versus a secure attachment to God. And I think that the mm -hmm. fear of God situation is very relevant to 
that concept. Wow. Oh yeah, it totally is. I like that. Well, thank you, Chad, for this great question. I've enjoyed myself. Yeah, yeah. good talk. Good suggestion, Chad. Good talk. Very nice. <laughs> good, good talk. Did you know that in the original, you know, since we were talking about original, originals. Yeah. In the original Greek, amen. Uh, it actually comes from two words. A meaning good, you know, like Adam. Um, and then men meaning men to talk. Like, so it really means good talk. That feels like a bunch of, but yeah. That's exactly how I feel anytime someone like tries to go back to the Greek. Like, you could have just made that up. I think you did. I think you. I absolutely did. Actually hey, did. As, as someone who knows Greek, I do that often a lot. Oh. Like, when I went, like when I went down to Cheyenne, we stopped in Thermopolis. I was like, Alex, do you know the Greek for Thermopolis just means city of heat? Like city of hot? And he was like, Emily, I don't care. Emily, I don't. That, You're literally the dad from my big fat Greek wedding. That is I a am supportive the dad. husband I, right there. I, I am that. the dad from my big fat Greek wedding. You give me <laughs> any word and I will show you it has the Greek origin. That is tremendous. I love this. That is NT right. All... I'm gonna make a meme. That guy's NT right. That's so funny. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, well done. Well done. Chad, thank you for being in the community. Thank you for this great question. Absolutely. This is inspiring. I have a couple ideas I have down in my notebook for future episodes that I am going to bring up because it's uh, it's stuff I've been also actively journaling about. So Very fun. I don't have much of a teaser beyond that, but any final thoughts from the two of you? I'm totally just thinking about my answers for my ordination papers and like what would have my answer been if that huh. if one of those questions came up yeah yeah real quick how did that your interview go you had that i don't like, want to say anything because that's gonna be my topic steven oh i'm sorry okay oh well, you're gonna next have episode? to wait no you're not gonna next episode. Well, of yours. next that's yes. three weeks from now so i know yeah we'll give it some time okay fair enough i like that i can just tell you it went really well i think you should have said I think if you were asked that question as a pastor, you should just like do the tongue in cheek thing and quote scripture that says against it. Like, <laughs> uh, fear not for I bring you good tidings of great joy. You know, I probably would beat that person. Well, <laughs> yeah, that was an angel. That wasn't even God himself, though. Yeah, but the, the yeah. angels are messengers of God. So if the angel's saying it, God is saying it. Mm. Right. Ooh, sure. Ooh. Okay. I love using the Bible to make it play devil's advocate against it. So it actually does it really well. We know you do, Josh. We know. know. I love that patronizing voice that Emily, we know. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. Love you. Love you. Fantastic. Well, um, you can follow us on social media at RavelPod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Josh does a tremendous job keeping those up, fueling the trolls, as it were. Yes. Anything else? Take the Highline survey. Do that. Highline.network slash survey. That's closing soon, but you could get a free sticker from Ravel while you're at it. And a handwritten note from our good friend, Steven. That's me. It me. Hello. It me. It me. <laughs> it me. Emily, in true Caleb fashion, I think we are, we are wrapping up our hour on the air. And I think we need a word from you before we hand it over to the next host. And we play some very, very cheesy music. Fart. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> Indescribable. Oh my God. How old is that you song? Should, That's a very old song at this point. You isn't should it? fear me. Fear my wrath, <laughs> Stephen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you Whether put it's... the stars in the sky <laughs> and you know them by name. Okay. We make fun of this song. It's very fun to you play drums too, though. Amazing. Right? Am I right? I don't you guys? even think I need to say anything. Y'all that are song just, is very like anthem rock. It has a groove very, to it. Very groovy. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, do you have a groovy benediction for us? I have, I have a regular benediction. <laughs> Give us something positive and encouraging. Oh my God. I can't deal with you guys. <laughs> it's just our personal mission to do this to you every episode now. <laughs> I know. But you know what? I don't fear it. I welcome it. It feels my hate fire. <laughs> as she says on Pitch Perfect. 
<laughs> fear of God, God fearing, this language that we are just wrestling with can be daunting and confusing. But luckily, we can ravel it out together and we can explore these wonderful, messy topics together and know that at the end of the day, whatever you believe is okay. K-Love. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs>